This is the Victory Podcast. Every week, we'll share an inspiring message about God's grace and forgiveness for you, wherever you're at in life. Your victory starts now. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this morning as we ask questions, we need humility. Lord, we ask you to, that, that we could approach these difficult questions about your love, your perfection, your knowledge, your very nature with a humble heart that listens to you and follows your word. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Where did sin and evil come from? Several of the sources I studied preparing for this sermon said, this is the atheist's favorite question. An atheist is a person who denies that there is any God at all. And the Bible says that that's foolishness. So at first I thought I should start my sermon with some atheist jokes. And there are many, believe it or not. They go like this. What does, an, what does a dyslexic atheist worry about? Why is everybody asking about the existence of dog? Yeah. I ran that by my loving wife, Carol, and she told me to avoid atheist jokes because first they're old and lame and because they get us pointing our finger in the wrong direction. Because the atheist question is a very good one. It's a challenging question that we all ask. It goes like this. If God is perfectly good, as the Bible claims, why would there be evil? And if God is all-powerful, he can do anything, including prevent it, how could there be evil? And if God is perfectly loving, why in the world would evil still exist? And since evil exists and continues to exist, either God is not good, loving, and all-powerful, or God simply doesn't exist at all, right? You can see that this is going to be a deep dive into the very nature of God himself. So let's get going. Our God, the only true God, is good and even better than good. In fact, he is the only absolutely perfect thing that exists. And we get a great example of this in Isaiah chapter 6, where Isaiah the prophet is granted a vision of God's throne room in heaven. And the great prophet is completely blown away. He can't look, he can't even speak. And the Bible says in that throne room, the angels of God are declaring, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. Now, it's interesting. In Hebrew grammar, if you want to make the superlative, like good, better, best, you double the word. That's why we hear king of kings, lord of lords, holy of holies. It means the greatest lord, the greatest king, the holiest place. Here they go triple. What is their point? The true God is holy and perfect and good beyond the absolute best we could even imagine. He's incomprehensibly good and perfect. 
And the rest of the Bible just bears that out. Jesus' best friend John wrote, God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. The prophet Habakkuk said to God, your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrongdoing. And so when our perfect Lord created the universe, everything was perfectly and absolutely good. And in his perfect goodness and perfect love, God could not deny his creatures free will. You understand that? Without free will, his creatures would be slaves or pets or robots. That's why it is when we get married, we exchange promises and rings, not leashes and chalk collars, right? If you're a fan of the TV show Westworld, you know the whole drama is about human beings and robots and free will. And in God's perfect love for us, free will had to include the choice to disobey. It had to include the choice to sin, the free choice for evil. But before we go ahead, we have to define what sin and evil is. Because so often to you and I, we define sin and evil as an action or a word or a bad attitude. But remember Pastor Ben's illustration last week? He said that sin is anything we do that misses God's mark, God's bullseye of perfection. So sin isn't a substance or a being or a force. It's the lack of something. It's the lack, the absence of something, namely God and trusting in him. Now we have to ask, where did this lack of love and trust in God begin? And our text tells us, this is from Revelation chapter 12. It says, Then war broke out in heaven. Michael, the archangel, the head angel, and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to earth, and his angels with him. Sin and evil began in heaven with the angels. Now, we've got to take another digression here. Because too often, we don't know what angels are. Angels are spiritual beings that God created when he created the heavens and the earth. And the word angel means messenger. And often, when we meet angels in the Bible, that's exactly what they're doing. They're delivering messages from God. Angels, we're told, are innumerable. They were created to serve God and God's people. Angels are spiritual creatures, no bodies like us. But they're not present everywhere like God is. They're described as very wise, 
but they're not all-knowing like God is. Angels are described as powerful, but they're not all-powerful like God is. So get rid of that old notion that the devil made me do it. He doesn't have that power. He's not omnipotent. And then I got to get to a couple of my personal quirks. You and I do not become angels when we go to heaven. We don't. We don't get our wings when we go to heaven. We remain human. Angels are spiritual beings. Just study what Jesus said about how we're like the angels. He says, we will be like the angels in heaven because we won't need family in heaven like we do on earth. Then he says, we'll be like angels in heaven because we won't die. Then my last quirk. Angels are not cute. Give up that idea that they look like chubby little babies with wings. You know, the putti, they call them. Give up that idea that they look like that Barbie doll-looking angel you put on the top of your Christmas tree. Forget it. Angels can take on human form, and when they appear, guess what the first word out of their mouth is? Do not be afraid. These are awesome spiritual beings created by the Lord himself. And in perfect love, God also created those angels with free will. And some of them, led by Satan or the devil, chose to rebel and evil came into being. That's where it started. And what was Satan's sin? When Paul is writing to his co-worker Timothy, advising him how to choose a church leader, he gives this warning. He writes to Timothy, he says, He must not be a recent convert, or he may become conceited and fall under the same judgment as the devil. Satan's sin was pride in himself and conceit. That is, a lack of humility and trust in God. And then Jude writes, The angels who did not keep their positions of authority, remember, these are mighty spiritual beings, but abandoned their proper dwelling, these he has kept in darkness, bound with everlasting chains for judgment on the great day. They wanted to be more than angels. They wanted to be God. And so it's no wonder that when Satan tempted Adam and Eve to distrust God, this is exactly what he told them. He said, God knows that when you eat of from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Satan's also called the great liar. Can you hear the half-truth in that? You'll know good and evil. You'll know you were good and now you are evil, right? And just think how often you and I do the very same thing. I go looking for a substitute for God, and it is always less than God. A crisis looms in my life, and I try to craft every single solution I can craft before I trust God and go to him in prayer. You will be like God, I'm telling myself, right? Or something bothers me in God's word, and I think, 
Well, I know better than that. What Jesus really meant to say was, you will be like God, huh? And I could go on. Evil is anything less than God, than trusting in him and his perfect love. And as Pastor Ben told us last week, sin began there, and then sin and evil infected all of God's creation and found a home right here and right in you. But God is love. Absolutely perfect love, the Bible assures us. And I want you to think about something. You realize that God's love is all about relationships? It really is. Even the way God reveals himself to us as the triune God, one God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So when you look at the Bible, Jesus, God the Son, asks God the Father to send to us the Comforter, the Holy Spirit. God himself is all about relationships. Or the way creation is described. The Father created all things by the power of his word, Jesus, God the Son, as the Holy Spirit was hovering over all creation, sort of overseeing the whole task. But relationships can be risky. And God created human beings to relate to him. That's why the Bible says we are created in God's image. He created us to be like him, to be his children, to be his family. And relationships are risky, like we all know from our own relationships. And God knew perfectly how risky it would be to create us and to allow us to have free will. And he knew it because God is eternal. And this is one of the most difficult things for you and I to understand. Eternity is timelessness. God actually created time when he created the world. He created seasons and days and years. He created yesterday, today, and tomorrow. We can't comprehend life without it. But God is outside of time. Now, to understand this, I, I, I've got to go back to my favorite old illustration. And some of you who are younger, you may never have done this. Have you ever taken out a road map to plan a trip? Those of you who are older will know this. You're not using MapQuest. In the old days, you got out a map. And with your map, you found where you started. Like this week, I'm going to be driving from where I live, right over by Oak Creek, up to Manaqua, Wisconsin, up here. And on the map, I can see where I start. I can see I'm going to drive through Milwaukee, through Madison, up here through Wausau, and then finally, I'll be up in Manaqua. I can see the beginning of the trip and the end of the trip in one glance. And that's the way God from eternity, because he's separate from time, sees all of this. When we're on the road, what can we see? About a mile ahead, about a mile behind? God saw the whole picture in one glance. 
He knew where it would begin. He knew where it would end. And in his love for us, he wouldn't let it go any other way. And from eternity, we know God devoted himself to us. His beloved creation to save us from our sad choice. So in spite of our evil, God chose from eternity to save us. So we read from Revelation again. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven from eternity say, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah. For the accuser of our brothers, that's Satan, who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. They triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. You realize how much God loves us? That he took that risk from eternity. And in his perfect love, he crafted this plan. And it was a plan that devoted himself entirely to us. God himself took on our human flesh and blood. He joined our human race. And in our place, he lived a life that in every single choice, every single temptation, never fell short of perfection. Without sin. Without evil. And then as the Lamb of God, he became the atoning sacrifice for my sin and yours and every sin of all time. It's just so beautiful. But you realize this still leaves us with one more question. Kind of a a continuation of last week's question. If God is good and God is loving, why does evil continue to exist? Why is it still a part of my life and yours? Satan and, and his demons are chained like a dog on a leash, but he still threatens. He still scares you and me and tempts you and me to be off course. And this is the place where the true and loving and perfect God says to you and me, you gotta trust me on this. You do. And this is his testimony. He says, I am God and there is no other. I am God and there's none like me. I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times what is still to come. I say my purpose will stand and I will do what pleases me. And his stated purpose for allowing us to deal daily with sin and with evil is to move us toward that perfection which we lost with our lousy choice. But you realize the only way to regain that perfection isn't by trying to be perfect ourselves. The way we regain the perfection is by trusting him more and more. So Paul writes to the Roman Christians, We also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. Sometimes I like to picture 
our God. Lovingly knocking away my mistaken ideas about what I try to use to shore up my own life. Using suffering to do that. Whether that's health or wealth or job or youth or good looks, even family, friends, the economy, our national well-being, he lovingly sometimes takes those things away so I just have to Trust in him alone. And finally, for all these questions that have us trying to comprehend the incomprehensible, it really is incomprehensible, isn't it? Perfection without a single flaw, we've never seen it. Timelessness with no yesterday, today, or tomorrow, we're in territory we just don't get. Our perfect God gives us an amazing promise. He gives us a promise that there is going to be an aha moment. Without a doubt. In 1 Corinthians 13, that lovely chapter about love, it it ends with this line. Now we see only a poor reflection. As in an ancient mirror, you know, back in Paul's day, the best thing he had was a polished piece of metal. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. You and I are going to understand God as well as he understands you and me. What an amazing moment that's going to be. When we're with him, we'll fully know. We'll see the full perfect picture, the whole map, We'll simply nod our heads in satisfaction and love and perfection because we're going to be in his presence. And finally, every question is going to be perfectly answered. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Victory Podcast brought to you by Victory of the Lamb in Franklin, Wisconsin. For video sermon archives, more information about us, and to let us know how we can meet you where you're at, go to victoryofthelamb.com.